When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm back to looking at scenes and moments, our favorite ones from Game of Thrones here on Daily Thrones. A quick look at the world of ice and fire, and I'm still looking at season three. I'm starting to look at four. You guys, as I said yesterday and then all last week, call in with your favorite moments and scenes from Game of Thrones. Those little tiny moments. We're not looking for the big giant ones. A lot of the Red Wedding, yep, that's it. That's big. But you know what? One of my favorite parts of the Red Wedding uh, is uh, just Catelyn Stark turning around and hearing the band play. Or Roose Bolton revealing his armor. We're looking for those specific moments. If you have one and you haven't called in yet, please do. And if you're one of the regulars who contributes, you know I love those calls. Keep them coming in. Uh, But one of the moments I want to talk about, I want to stick in Season 3 towards the end. And it is from Episode 9, The Reigns of Castamere. But it's a non-Red Wedding moment. And it is the moment, the moment that Sir Jorah's heart breaks. Probably the biggest and the deepest. It's the deep cut. It is when Dario, Naharis, of course, Jorah Mormon, and Grey Worm deliver Yunkai to their queen, Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, with their infiltration, the three of them going in, not knowing what they'll find, and then it turns into a big battle, and that's where we're left with them. And then it comes back to Daenerys Missende just hanging out in the tent with Barristan Selmy, who wanted to go but stayed behind to protect the queen. He's sipping on some uh, nice drink there. We don't quite know. And the tension is high, and that's when Jorah and Grey Worm return first. Bloodied, battered, bruised. But Jorah has a message. They've delivered the city. It's as you said, Khaleesi. Uh, we walked in, and the slaves uh, who were uh, there to fight us laid down their arms. Yunkai is yours. Blood streaming down his face, sweat streaming down his face, all the passion pouring through Jorah's veins, and that's when Daenerys Targaryen kind of looks around and says, uh, and and uh, Dario Naharis, where's that guy? You guys, uh, you guys come back with Dario? And that shot, it is the ultimate Jorah shot. That look on his face, realizing then and forever that he'll never have this woman. He never should. I think he realizes it all in that moment, what it's supposed to be. And it's a heartbreaking moment. I, I, you, if you pause or if you turn down the other sound, any other sound you've got going on in your house, uh, you can actually hear his heartbreak. Similar, similar to Bart Simpson's heart getting broke back in the uh, early days of The Simpsons. That's right. I made a Simpsons reference here. You don't hear me do that often, but I love that show. I always have. So that is uh, the quintessential Jorah moment. There's other great Jorah moments and other better Jorah moments where Jorah's a better person and a better man. He didn't just take the city for Daenerys. He did it for the greater good. The greater good, I do believe. But it is, for me, a Sir Jorah fan, the most heartbreaking moment. Ian Glenn does such a great job with the moment. 
Amelia Clark does. And then Ed Screen comes in here. He's not even he's not even Dario anymore. He comes in there, lays down the flag, and says, The city is yours. Yay, Dario. Oh, Dario. I don't care what actors portraying him. I loved when Danny dumped him. But that's just me, a Sir Jora fan. That's one of my favorite moments in season three. What are yours? You guys call in here to anchor. You know the drill. And if you're listening on the podcast, Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you can join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag Daily Thrones. Just find me. What are your favorite moments? Let's keep them going here on Daily Thrones. It's just a case of Stannis being Stannis. I uh, want to take a break from talking uh, about favorite scenes and moments to kind of uh, address this wonderful little article I saw on Entertainment Weekly. James Hibbard wrote the piece here, and some people tweeted it to me. Even my good friend Joseph Scrimshaw emailed it to me. I am a Stannis Baratheon fan, almost unapologetically. I I apologize a little bit because his his story certainly ended... um, a little dark, shall we say, with some of his actions and choices at the end. But I do love Stannis Baratheon book and show. And I know there's some differences. And I know some longtime book readers never really liked Stannis on the show. And it's understandable. They're, uh, he's a little less likable at times in the show versus the book. But we also haven't seen the story fully play out in the books. So let's see what happens there. But actor Stephen Delane, so great in the John Adams miniseries, is... Uh, Kind of a crusty curmudgeon himself, it would seem. Uh, doesn't any any interview you see doesn't uh, doesn't seem to be full of joy. Not say he isn't. I don't know the man. Never met the man. Can't say for for sure. Uh, but uh, he uh, famously kind of said at one point that he did the role of Stannis Baratheon for money. Which hey, I applaud that. All actors need to make money. They need a career. They want this to be their job. He's had his. He's been a working actor for a long time, but for him to come out and say, I don't know what I did. They paid me well. I'm okay with that. HBO loves kind of bringing the same actors along from project to project. That's why you see him in a lot of different shows, um, a lot of the character actors and a lot of the leads even. So following HBO, and that's how that's more. That's how I know Stephen Delane. So season two, when it was like, oh, Stannis is uh, Thomas Jefferson. That guy's great. I love it. But he, it seems like... Stephen Delane is Stannis Baratheon, and this article is very interesting. Check it out, where he is expressing some regrets, at least it's regret, about his character's doomed tour of duty in Westeros, where goes the article. Uh, James Hibbert describes him as the stern Stannis Baratheon actor, told the British newspaper The Times um, that he never really understood the show's complex storyline and seemed to have some real misgivings about his performance. And he admits that he, he couldn't keep up with the stories, and it was Liam Cunningham. Sir Davos Seaworth proving to truly be the hand of the would-be king and Stannis' right-hand man because he would explain to Stephen Delane before the scenes, here's what's happened. I love that Stephen Delane describes Liam as passionate about the show and vested in a way I think is quite moving, but it wasn't my experience. I was entirely dependent on Liam to tell me what secrets were about, or excuse me, what the scenes were about, and probably all the secrets. Um, but uh, Stephen describes himself as disheartened by the end. He felt, uh, I built the castle on non-existent foundations. Now I will say this, I don't need the actors in the things I'm watching to be fans of it. This is big in Star Wars. Uh, Daisy Ridley wasn't tremendously familiar with Star Wars. I mean, she knew it, she's watched it, but she admits in interviews even this past weekend for The Last Jedi Press that, hey, you know, she became a Star Wars fan. Kelly Marie Tran, not as familiar with Star Wars before she got the role of Rose. Uh, Taylor, uh, what's his name? Taylor Gray, who plays Ezra Bridger on Star Wars Rebels, the lead character. 
clearly not much of a Star Wars fan. He's also a lot younger. Um, so I'm okay with it. I don't need that. In fact, you can hate it for all I care. Just as long as it shows on screen that you're invested and you're an actor. And you know what? Stephen Delane, I think, is, is much like the article suggests, being too hard on himself. Because I, Stephen Delane is, is Stannis Baratheon, the Stannis that I love. And this is our, our, and even the article points out, this is almost Stannis, uh, Stephen Delane Stannising himself, being really hard on himself, uh, uh, wanting justice for what he believed was an injustice, and maybe not doing his duty. I think at the end of the day, Stephen Delane feels as though he didn't do his duty as Stannis Baratheon. Interesting article. Love the stuff. Thanks for those who tweeted it to me. What are your thoughts on this? And do you need the actors to be the fan uh, of the property that they're in? Is Does it help that they love Game of Thrones? Does it help that Gwendolyn and Christie wanted to be Bran of Tarth before uh, the role was available to her, that she just kind of willed it? She was a fan. Her friends, I remember an interview long ago saying that her friends were like, oh, Bran, this book character, this Bran of Tarth is you. It's it's wonderful when they are. I think it's a bonus, but I don't know if I need it. Do you guys need it? Let me know here on Daily Thrones. We'll get back to talking about our favorite scenes as well. Hey, Ken, so another scene I'd like to talk about from Season 3. Not the massacre scene from the Red Wedding, but the actual wedding scene. The reveal of Rosalind Frey. You know, Edmure just assumes that, you know, that, oh, you know someone that's not really that attractive is, is going to be walking down the aisle... And they reveal when she's uncloaked that she's actually really beautiful. And the look of the light on his face is actually, it's kind of funny. And then, you know, Walter Flurry, Walter Flurry gives Rob Starr a look like, hey, she could have been yours. That's who you could have picked. And it's just funny. And, I, and, I, and I've always loved, you know, the wedding vows, warrior, crone, maid, and all that stuff. And it's a, it's a sweet scene, a little bit of a calm before what was coming. As we close here tonight, Eric, with a great call about the uh, precursor to the actual horrible events of the Red Wedding, the actual wedding itself, the reveal of Rosalind Frey, uh, Edmund Tully being relieved. There's a lot there. And if you're watching the Red Wedding, that scene, that episode, and not knowing what's coming, put yourself in that perspective. Put yourself from that point of view. This is why that section of, the, of that sequence is so good. And why I'm glad you brought it up, Eric, is... There's comedy, there's pathos, there's love, there's beauty, there's these vows, everything's going well, you fall for it if you don't know what's coming. Even though your spidey senses tell you, uh, I've watched Game of Thrones long enough now, two and a half seasons, more than two and a half seasons at this point, episode nine of season three, you're, you're used to bad things happening, but Ned Stark's death was far behind you. Uh, the Battle of Blackwater, all that kind of stuff far behind you. Season 3 hadn't really weighed on you that much. It hadn't taught you that deeply. In fact, uh, before this, Jorah, Dario, Grey Worm, they all survive a pretty, pretty impossible battle. So if you're at the wedding there, things are going well. Things are going good. Everyone's happy and in love. And look at this wedding, and Edmure gets a beautiful wife. Oh, everything's going to work out fine until that music starts playing. That's why I love that moment in that larger sequence. This is what we're talking about here in Daily Thrones. Those little moments 
those little moments to focus on that bring us back, that really hook us into the show. Great call, Eric. Great scene as well. Guys, if you got a favorite scene from season four, five, six, seven, you call in, even if it's from one, two, and three. I want to hear it. Call in here on Anchor for Daily Thrones. Let's talk about it. We'll see you guys tomorrow.